Welcome to Femboldened, a podcast where inspiration meets aligned action, where science meets spirit, and where you've landed to enliven the bold within you. I'm your host, Angelica Pascone, multidimensional healer and empowerment coach, specializing in helping heart-centered high achievers like you to shatter their personal and professional self-built glass ceilings. Get ready to awaken to your truest potential as we dive deep into the emboldened stories, wisdom, and medicine of our fellow impact-driven visionaries to energize you into living your bold. The only question is, are you ready? Let's get started. Them Bolden. Hello, Femboldeners. For you, it hasn't been quite some time, but this is my first interview in over two months. Oh <laughs> and I'm so grateful to be here with my very good friend and accountability buddy. You've heard me talk about her before, Taryn Rain. She is a women's empowerment coach and serial entrepreneur. Now that makes me hungry for like cinnamon toast crunch. Taryn, oh my God, how that sounds are so good. How are you? I'm so glad you're here. What's going on in your world? What's happening on this right now? It's almost like a full moon, right? And and oh my God, almost here. full moon. I'm so excited. I'm like, there's some full moons where I'm like, I'm not ready for the roller coaster. And then this full moon, I'm like, I'm fucking ready to release something. Oh, are we cussing on this podcast? Here like we are now. Vibe, no, I'm just right? Like, no, we can't. Thanks, Taryn. Here's what happens when I have a human coach online. Yeah. yeah um, when they when they ask me, is this for children? Uh no. No. Not <laughs> this one. <teasing> you. <laughs> I never have the podcast for children. Um, yeah, so I'm doing pretty good. I'm like in a state, I feel of like upheaval and up leveling, and I'm turning 30 next week. <sighs> and so I'm just kind of like leaning into the next chapter and curious what that looks like first few chapters of my life were crazy. So. Yeah. I would love to hear more about that. You know, there's something that I've, I've always admired. And I mean, there's plenty that I've always admired on you, but something that I've always admired is your commitment to ritual. You're, you're quite connected with the moon phases. What sorts of rituals do you do? I think it's mostly new moon and full moon. What do those look like? Yeah. Those are like my consistent practices. I'm trying to get better at like marking down, like so Anne and all these other different kind of witchy times, but for sure, like new moon and full moon are really easy for me because like, it's obvious you look up at the sky and I'm like, Oh, that should be soon. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, I got into ritual a few years back when I started to understand the beauty of like cyclical things. I love being a woman. I love that we have cycles and that there's a time of the month when we're like super on point and we're ready for new things and we're ready for new projects. And there's a time when we're like, you know, kind of in this really fiery energy, I call it like Kali energy. I I love goddess work as well. And so like, I love that cyclical nature and leaning into that instead of like wanting it to be so linear, like a masculine energy. So yeah, I, I like started doing ritual with friends in Bali a few years back. And then my friends would invite their friends and it started to become this big thing. So suddenly I found myself, you know, in Bali and in other places of the world, like Thailand and here in Mexico, hosting moon ceremonies for like 25, 30 women. And it's just, it's amazing to watch people tune into themselves and get into the energy of the, the new moons that like new beginner rebirth. Like let's, let's try to find some things to plant. Let's plant some seeds and intentions for the month. And then we get to the full moon, which is this week. And it's like, I get to release anything that I feel is holding me back. So that might be mindsets. That might be people, habits, things like actually cleansing out my things. And I just like that kind of cyclical nature that we're in. It's really beautiful. Mm, I love that. And And I don't think, I mean, I shouldn't say, I don't think I know that that's not cyclical and seasonal things aren't something that's valued in traditional society. It's supposed to be linear and exponential, right? But even when it comes to our growth and our careers and our life and relationships. So what a beautiful segue into what I'm so grateful for you to be here to talk about, which is, okay, who was Taryn (laughs) six, eight years ago? Mm. what was she doing? And I mean, I know this is a huge question. 
And and what bold decisions created the Karen that's today? Mm. So you said eight years ago, which was a really crazy year. For- I usually ask six and I'm like, Eight. That little intuition popped up. You're like, yeah, let's go. I mean, six years ago, a lot of things were going on too. But eight years ago, I thought I was having the best year of my life. I was like doing all the things that I thought I wanted. Uh, It was eight years ago, 21. I graduated college. I bought my first house. I got married and I started my first corporate job. And I was like, hell yeah, crushing it here to like slay this whole life checklist thing. (laughs) Um, Little did I know (laughs) that is not what was aligned for me at all. Um, And at that time too, it's funny because I had a few friends and even my sisters who were like, I don't know if this is what you actually want. And I'm like one of those people where I might be questioning things, but as soon as you question me, I'm double downing. Like, you know what I mean? Like as soon as somebody else is like, are you sure this is a good idea? I'm like, 100% yes, this is a great idea. Don't question me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can resonate with that. Yeah. I'm getting better, but like, you know, I just had this idea in my brain from a young age of what my life was supposed to look like. And I got off that track for a while. When I was younger, I um, I started really receiving heavy emotions at a young age. So I'm very empathetic. And I learned later, like, that's kind of what was going on. But I was 11 or 12. First off, hormones are going wild in the body. And I'm dealing with severe anxiety and depression for the first time in my life. I was never diagnosed with anxiety. I was diagnosed with severe depression. Later in life, I self-diagnosed myself and realized what was happening. But I just like hit this state where I was like, I'm so depressed. I'm, I'm so angry all the time. I was like the nicest, bubbliest kid in the room. And now I'm like, so angry, so upset. Um, and it like kind of shattered my world a bit. I left the faith that I grew up in. I kind of stopped caring about being the good girl. I was like, this is exhausting. I'm over it. Um, and went down like this bad path of like doing drugs drinking, smoking. I'm like 12 and I'm like at the park getting drunk. You know, it it was a crazy life that was really hidden as well. I was like also still top of my class, student body president, graduated high school early, like still showed the outside world that I was like this perfect angel, but I was like going down this really dark and twisty path. Um, The funny thing is, Angelica, I remember, did you in high school have like like ex druggies or addicts come and like give presentations on like, I used to be an addict and now I'm not. And like, look at my life. I I did. This is interesting. I've never had anybody ask me this question. I didn't, I want to say like elementary school, Mm. but my high school was a college preparatory school. And if you weren't perfect, they shut you down and they pushed you down. So if, if they even thought about bringing somebody to advocate against or advocate for healthy choices. So no, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, it was just so funny because I remember sitting in a presentation and like this woman was giving like an inspirational talk and everything else. And I had this moment of like this, this is why I'm doing drugs right now, because one day I'm going to be a motivational speaker. And I just oh, like wow. remember having that thought. <laughs> I was like, this is why I'm doing drugs right now. Anyway, So I like kind of fell off the bandwagon for a bit. All of college was a blur. Like I worked two full-time jobs. Anyone who like grew up not having much money and then being on your own, like that's so hard. And so I just kind of like plowed through and I was like, what is going to save me from myself, which is this destructive, bad behavior person. That's what I thought. And what's going to save me from like the exhaustion I'm feeling of like working all the time and trying to keep up. And it was like, well, I need to go back to being the perfect human. That's going to solve all the problems, right? I need to get married, get the corporate job and settle down with my chickens and garden and be a housewife who also has a corporate job. And I'm going to be a badass. I actually remember, this is hilarious. I need to find the, the drawing. I was looking at one of my journals a while back. And I think it was a journal when I was like 18 or 19. And I like was drawing my like vision board, right? Like I need to find it. It's so bad. It was like a photo 
or drawings of me, like cleaning the house, making dinner, like bringing my husband to beer, <laughs> being oh. a mom. It was like, so funny. can you imagine now? Like that's how, what I was thinking at 19. Wow. That was my dream life. <laughs> well, it, it was the dream life you were told. Yeah. 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 I just like, that's, that's how you stay happy and that's how you still stay safe and secure. And I was just craving a safety that I had never experienced before. I realized later, like, that's what I wanted. I just wanted security and stability. And I thought doing what I was supposed to do, being a good girl was going to one, wash all those terrible things of my past away. And two, like, give me this, the safety. I mean, now it's nine years eight years later and I'm clearly divorced and traveling the world and doing all these other things. Um, so that didn't work out well for me at all. And I think a lot of people will relate to whether like you're in a marriage that you don't want to be in, or you're in a job you don't want to be in, or you're in a life you don't want to be in what I experienced post the best year of my life that made me go, Oh, (laughs) maybe not, maybe not. Have you had moments like that in your life? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh my goodness. I think those moments come with the pivots, right? Mm-hmm. They come with the pivots. And, and I think we often forget that, again, life is not supposed to be linear, right? It's cyclical, like we talked about in the beginning. It's when we forget that or we choose the way we've been told instead of trusting the cycles that we're pushed out. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course. So can you, can you remember, it's usually not a moment, right? It's, it's typically a a collection of moments that led to you saying no more. Yeah. Like you said, it was a collection of moments. So when we're out of alignment with who we are and what our life I hate the word should, but like what our life should be like for who we are at our soul essence, right? When we're out of alignment with that, it's going to show up in, in ways that we try to ignore at first, usually for a lot of people, it shows up as depression. So it's like the lethargy. I can't do anything. The deeper knowledge is like things are out of alignment and I'm unhappy. And it's just going to come out as like numbness and numbing out and not feeling anything. And so that was starting to happen. And when that started happening, I remembered that like, I found this like yoga and meditation thing when I was in high school that I really loved. And there was no meditation, no yoga anywhere near me. When I got married, we moved to this small town in the middle of nowhere. And like, I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any support. I didn't have anything. Um, so it was actually in that year that I was like, okay, I'm miserable. It, it was the first year of my marriage. My husband worked nights. I was by myself all the time in this small town. And I thought, okay, if I can't find a good teacher, I'll just teach myself. And I asked my ex-husband if I could do yoga teacher training. And he said, as long as it doesn't affect my money. And that was the first big thing I put on my credit card and went off to yoga teacher training. And um, that got me enthusiastic again and pulled me out of that depression. But what it also did was threw me into the other side of the response, usually with um, unhappiness and alignment, which is high functioning anxiety. So many of us suffer from this and especially perfectionists, the clients I work with, like we just want to control everything. And so instead of being in that depressive state where we're doing nothing, now we're just trying to do everything. So I graduate yoga teacher training. And for the years after that, I was working full time. I was doing events and communications for um, a neighborhood and I was also doing three part-time jobs. So I was teaching yoga about eight times a week. Wow. Um, I was running a small business with my sister where we made like craft gift goods for people. And I was also doing wedding planning and event planning outside of my mm. business, uh, outside of work. I was also cooking every meal for my husband. I was packing him two meals a day for wow. her. I had a perfect house. I would host all of the holiday events at my house. You know, it was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, I wrote a blog. I had a blog called Yoga Mats and Cowboy Hats, where I talked about how perfect my life was. And I'm like laughing because it was, it was such a nightmare. And I just, I just had to keep putting one foot in front of the other because, you know, I, if I slowed down enough, I was going to feel it, how lonely and sad and depressed I was. And I just couldn't 
So I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And that only lasts so long. Like you hit burnout, you um, get sick, starting to have extreme anxiety to the point of like panic attacks where I couldn't breathe. And I would like, I would just like be on the bathroom floor. I remember several times being on like my shower floor and being like, I don't know if I can get out of here. And like having that kind of panic set in. And so that was when it started to become very obvious that things were, were not okay. And, and my marriage was crumbling apart and he was not a safe person to be around. He was a, a drinker, a gambler, like get really paranoid and, and created an unsafe house environment, like never directly at me, but it, he was paranoid and like creating bombs in the front yard and shit like that. It was just crazy. Um, and my breaking point actually was this moment where he had gotten really drunk. I had had a few glasses of wine and I had such extreme anxiety because he was yelling at me and his friends were over and it was like, it was really toxic. And it's maybe like two, two or three in the morning and I'm having such severe anxiety. I like have to get out of my house. I'm like, I have to leave. I can't be here. Like I'm feeling crushed by the weight of my own house. Mm. And I, called my dad who lived an hour away from me Mm. at like three or four o'clock in the morning and was like, I can't drive, but I can't be here. Like, I need you to come get me. Mm. Um, and I think that was like the biggest wake up call that I'm like, I'm calling my dad to rescue me from my own house as an adult. Like this is no longer okay. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Mm. Mm. You hear it from, this is a little bit changing changing the the topic um but how beautiful to have that relationship with your father you hear so so often from from parents call me anytime no matter how old you are no matter the situation and that's just a beautiful example yeah of, of being able to do that but goodness that's what a what a series of experiences to mm. to live through my goodness, thank you for sharing. Mm. It's very raw and something I I didn't know about you either. So I appreciate you <laughs> the going deeper here. dive. Yeah. 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 So after dad picked you up, what did that in between look like? I mean, it was still a long process. So, like, I was only married two years, and I think about two and a half of it, I was thinking I needed a divorce. So it was like, it was pretty much the whole time. And, and actually in yoga teacher training, I met one of my best friends, his name's Joe, and he was going through a divorce uh, at the same time. Like he, a few months after yoga teacher training, I think started the process. He came out, him and his wife of 12 years were separating, obviously, because he came out as gay and was like, okay, this, this life that I was leading this lie that I was leading wasn't working anymore. So I really connected with him and it was kind of like his bravery was so powerful. Like having him having grown up in a severely Christian church and family, like I did, um, where not only was he divorcing, which is a big deal, but he was coming out as gay, which is an even bigger deal. And so I think I saw him be so brave and courageous. That really helped me. And we call ourselves like divorce buddies and being able to like have somebody to go to who really understood. And, um, so that was really helpful. And thankfully like yoga gave me a lot of tools where during those, I would say about two years of being in the marriage where like, I probably need to leave. And I'm just also committed to like doing everything I can. Like I went back to church. I did couples counseling. I did marriage classes. Like I did everything I could to try to save it. But at the same time I was building myself up and I was like, I'm probably going to have to leave. And how am I going to handle that? Mm -hmm. And so I was reading books. I I picked up my first spiritual book, Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie. And it was like a pathway to like my own personal development because I had to be stronger in order to leave that relationship. And I had to be able to hold myself through whatever I was what was about to happen. So I think that was what was nice about it being such a long journey for me of like, from when I realized I needed to file the divorce to when we actually did, maybe like two years later, I got to use that whole time to kind of build myself up, build myself up. And then even after I moved out and was on my own, I spent another year like by myself doing as much as I could to like 
grow and rebuild. And, and I, I always tell people, I'm like, this was the most selfish year of my life that year after divorce. And it was exactly what I needed. I had never taken care of myself before, just everyone else around me. And so I think just that permission to put myself first. And I didn't know that that was even okay because I had grown up with such a, a deep Christian ideology of like women put everyone else before ourselves. And that's how you be a good Christian woman. And, um, breaking that pattern was, was hard, but it was really beautiful that, that year by myself. I think what you just shared gave permission to so many other women who, you know, it's one thing to be in a relationship that doesn't align anymore. I mean, regardless of if it's safe or not, right. Right. If If it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable. And, you know, so I feel like when you talk to your friends about this, they're, oh, well, just leave already. Just leave already. You don't need him. But how wonderful and, and what a testament. To, and you're not the first first guest I've had talking about divorcing and having it be prolonged and not rushing it so that you have the tools necessary to, like you said, hold yourself after exiting that not only that relationship, but that part of you, right? There's that, there mm-hmm. has to be that death of that part of you, which comes with grief and mourning and and you did it. And I, I think that's, I think that's beautiful. And I thank you for sharing all of that and giving that permit, gifting really that mm-hmm. permission to, to other individuals in similar situations or situations that they just want to move from. Yeah. When I hear it from my clients all the time, it might not be a relationship, but usually they come to me because something is causing extreme anxiety and self-doubt and it's something's out of alignment in their life. And it might be a career path. It might be where they're living. It might be like family expectations that they're keeping up with, whatever it is. And there's this thing that happens when we step away from something like that. And it is a combination of like extreme grief right? We're grieving the life that we thought we were going to have or grieving the person we thought we were. And that's really hard. And that comes in waves. Like there are days where I'm like, I'm living my best life. I'm single. This is great. And then the next day I'd be like sobbing for hours into a pillow and like, you know, letting that be normalized. But the way I knew it was really right for me. And this, the thing I see with women who are making big life choices is the amount of relief and freedom. I felt like, I just remember as soon as I unpacked my belongings in my new house and I was by myself, I just felt so much lightness. I didn't even realize I felt heavy in the other house, right? Until I was in this new space and I was like, oh, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want here. Like it gets to be my space. I get, I created my first altar. I created like a spiritual space in my house. I get the freedom to do that before. It, It was really nice. It was like that relief and and freedom, but just because you feel the relief and freedom doesn't mean that the journey is not going to be hard after that, you know? Yeah. Or even that the journey's over. Yeah. Yeah. And anyone started, right. It's not, there's more ambiguity, ambiguity than clear definitions. It's interesting. I feel like there's a lot of individuals who have decided to live, live a more aligned life a more authentic life. And a lot, a lot of times their journey begins with yoga, Mm. right? Why do you think that is? Well, I think I can tell you why it was for me and why I see it in a lot of my clients and my students. And this is why I still have yoga as a part of my coaching practice, Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's a gateway because normally when our life is out of alignment, we don't want to look at it, but society makes it safe to look at our bodies right? When our bodies aren't feeling good, when we're feeling overweight, when we're feeling tension in our bodies, whatever, like the media is constantly like, yes, you need to work on your body. They're not like, yay, work on your mental health, but they're like, work on your body. You better have like this, this perfect body, whatever. So for me, I actually went to my first yoga class on accident. I was going to a YMCA gym and I thought I was going to like some aerobics class. And then I get in there and I get all set up and it's yoga. Now I'm like too embarrassed to leave because I'm already like set up and I'm like, fuck, 
to stay this whole class and the whole class. I kid you not. I was like, so annoyed. I'm like, what is this? This is the dumbest thing. I'm not even working my muscles. What is this posture? Like I was just making fun of it the whole time. And I'm like laying on the mat at the end, which also like in the middle of a downtown area in a YMCA, like lying on your back, fully vulnerable for the world. It was so weird. I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm like laying there 18 years old. And I had this epiphany in Savasana. And I was like, hang on, you may have been making fun of this class for the last hour, but you were only thinking about the class for the last hour, mm. which was mind blowing to me as somebody with undiagnosed anxiety. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know my mind could think about one thing for a whole hour. Wow. So it kind of hooked me in, but I got started because of fitness. I got started because I wanted to have six pack abs and I wanted to have like this model body. And I was like, Oh, okay. Let me just keep using yoga. Cause yeah, it feels good for my mental health, but like, also I want to be skinny. So like, that was my mindset with it. And I think a lot of people come into yoga for similar things. They're feeling ailments in their body. They're unhappy with the way they look. And so they're like, okay, yoga is going to fix everything. Which if we only do fitness yoga, probably no, but yoga just opens the pathway and yoga teachers have a really great way of like just dropping gentle, you know, coaching lessons throughout the class, but they're just like these little nudges that you get curious about. And yeah, the, the way I found the Gabby Bernstein book was reading yoga journal and they had like recommended book list. And here I am now teaching people how to like dance around a moon circle, you know, years later. <laughs> So uh, dancing with a vacuum and a in a visual vision board that you drew yourself to yeah. <laughs> leading others to dance around a room circle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's interesting. Yeah. Honestly. So it's it's something that I felt guilty about is I've never really been into yoga. I'll go to classes, but that's just hasn't been my thing. My thing other were were, were other things. Although I really do enjoy uh, the the yoga classes where it's just stretching. What are what are those called? Like a yin or a restorative yin, yeah. class? Yeah, yin yoga. And I would only go to yoga classes taught by my friend Jeff. If you're listening, Jeff, I love you because he. Oh my goodness, he's such a gentle spirit, but but also he had such a profound way of, like you said, dropping those little hints or sometimes. Mm-hmm he would read us poems. Mm-hmm. Ah, and so it always made me feel good right before bed. Mm, so good. Thing here with the yoga, like when I started teaching, that was such an important piece for me. It was like, okay, I found yoga through the fitness and everyone who's coming to me, I was teaching yoga at like a gym. I also, when I got divorced, had a yoga studio in my house and that was even better, but you know, I was teaching at a gym. And so I'm like, these people are here to like, I think we called it yoga for jocks. And it was like to stretch out the weightlifting people. That's kind of what the class was designed for. And so I'm like, I know that they're here to just get their stretch on and go home, but I'm going to purposefully theme every class around something where I can drop these nuggets, drop these nuggets. And, mm-hmm. and then I started to have my home studio and, you know, people ask me how long I've been coaching for. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I used to be a mentor to young kids when I was a kid and, and things I'm like always been mentoring, but I think it really started in that home yoga studio where like people would come I also would teach like dance style yoga. So we'd be like sweating it out on the mat, shaking out our bodies, doing a lot of like traumatic release, not really knowing that's what it was at the time. Um, And then half the time women would just stay after class and have wine, have coffee, tell me what's going on in their lives. I ended up attracting so many divorcees who were just like, can I just tell you everything about my life. And I'm like, yes, honey, let's, let's dive in. And I would create women's events at my house where, you know, we just got to connect. And, and I think that was it again. It was like the yoga teachers who are really trying to build up community and and support. It creates such a, a culture outside of the yoga mat. And I want to preface that because I think the yoga community can also be very toxic and exclusive and, um, dangerous with the ways of like, you have to look like this and you have to be like this and you have to act like this and you have to follow these exact practices to be called a yogi. And I think that's really traumatic. So I just want to caveat that with, if you ever have a yoga teacher that is kind of dictating how you should live your life, be open to other yoga teachers. (laughs) Mm, That's really important. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that happens in so many other cultures too, is oh, there's, yeah. and there's always two sides. There can always be two sides. Thank you for mm-hmm. sharing that. That's important. Yeah. Um, so um, now I'm curious, at what point did you decide to screw this? I want to travel the, ro- the world and be a nomad. Oh, this was such a crazy thing. Okay. So there is this company called Remote Year. Um, they're not, they're kind of in business now, but it's very different. And I remember scrolling Facebook a few years ago, like right after we filed for the divorce, it wasn't finalized. We had filed it and everything. And this little ad pops up. That's like, you can work your job and travel the world full time or something. Try this 12 month program. And I was like, this seems crazy. I was like, I'm just going to apply, but I'm not going to actually go because I don't have any skills that I can do online. Like, that was my thought. I was like, there's no way I can do this online thing. Like, no way. I'm like, I'm just going to fill out the application because there's like um, three or four steps of the application before you even get in. And then you have to like be able to make it work with your income and everything else. But um, I'm like, I'm not going to actually do it. And I like filled the application, got past that round. And the second round is like, you've got to pay $50 to do this like interview to make the like, whatever. And I was like, nope, I wasn't going to do it anyway. Like, ha ha ha. So funny. And they like <laughs> just kept emailing. Right. And, and finally, somebody's like, we're going to waive the fee. We would just love to chat with you. We think you'd be a great asset to the, the program. Cause some of the questions are like, what could you bring to a group? And I'm like, I can teach them yoga. I can do all these things. Um, and so I get on this call and I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. And I like get off that interview and I'm like, I'm still not going. Like, I'm just like, this is like a funny joke, right? I'm like, whatever. Um, I make it past that round and I'm like officially in, right? They gave me some program options and I was like, I'm not actually going. This is just ridiculous. And I was chatting with my aunts about it at um, my great aunts at my sister's wedding that that fall. And one of my aunts, she's like a hippie. I love her dearly, just like totally a hippie soul. And she just looked at me and was like, you're telling me you got into this exclusive travel program and you're not even considering going. She's like, you are 24 years old. Get your ass on that trip. She kind of like, was like, she was my grandmother, Barbara's sister. And when my grandma passed, I felt like she like came into me and has been a spirit guide since then. And I kind of felt her energy speaking through her sister. Like it was my grandma telling me like, Mm. what are you doing? And my grandma was also the one who came to me in a dream and was like, you need to do yoga teacher training. And so I was like, okay, all right, universe. I have no idea how I'm going to make this happen. It was like a few thousand dollars a month and you've got to make this big deposit. And I was like, my job cannot go on the road. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm an event planner. I like, how do I do anything I'm good at? online. Mm. And, and so that was December. I decided I was going to go. My program was to leave in May. And I had that long to figure out a job <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> an online job, a remote job. And mind you, this was like four years ago, four and a half years ago. So that was less of a thing back yeah. then, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just a testament to like faith and manifesting and how this works. I cut out little pictures of people on their laptops all over the world and the locations that we would be going to. And I cut out the company's logo and I pasted them all over my house. It was like above every light switch. I had one in my car. I had one like in my rearview mirror, in my shower, like everywhere. And so like every time I'd see one, I'd be like, that's going to be me. That's going to be me. I have no freaking clue how it's going to happen, but that's going to be me. And Sure enough, I found a job like weeks before we were supposed to go oh my God. <laughs> and, and made it happen. <laughs> That's amazing. And haven't lived in the U.S. since. That was four and a half years ago I left. Oh, so. And what was that job? Um, doing sales for an event AV company. Okay. I was right. not good at it and it did not pay me enough to cover the trip, but you know, credit cards helped. <laughs> Right. So things don't always work out perfectly, but no, they always have no. a way of working out. Totally. And I'm like, would I do it all again? Yes, I would. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
It's not so always how, the picture perfect video movie. Like you said, it's, it's a bit right. of chaos. How, how far into that program did you realize I want to keep doing this past the program? I want, I don't, I want to continue to travel or was that later? I think it was pretty quick into the program. I was just like, I had a three bedroom house to myself, Angelica, and I sold everything. Mm. I had like two boxes at my dad's house and my suitcase that I was traveling with. And I just felt so free. I, I, I realized later freedom is one of my biggest core values. And I felt that for the first time significantly. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And, um, you know, I started my blog, the remote Yogi as this like little blog. Cause I felt bad. I was leaving all my yoga students in my small town and I was like, I'm going to keep them up to date and teach free yoga classes on my little blog and, and travel and, and, and give them all the things and never, ever thought it would be a business. Angelica, I was like, I don't, I, I don't know how to be a businesswoman. Mind you, this is my fourth or fifth business, right? And I'm like, I'm not a business person. I don't yeah. know how to run a business. I can't make money. Um, and so, yeah, I, that little blog, I met some amazing people, my current co-founder of my second company, my Pinterest agency on that program. And, um, Mm -hmm. people taught me skills and somebody taught me how to edit videos and somebody taught me how to market myself and somebody else taught me how to get on Pinterest. And I was just like, Oh, I'm, I'm capable of things. Interesting how that works. (laughs) Oh, wow. How amazing. And so it ended up being even, even more, right. Ah, I love this story. It's so exciting. <sighs> Have you found yourself falling back into the cycles or the old patterns of expectations and burnout and such while you've also had this new freedom the past four and a half years? Of course. I own multiple businesses. Of course <laughs> I experience burnout. I'm like a burnout coach. I help my, my clients with anxiety and, and stress relief. And then I'm like running around like a, a crazy person doing too many things. It happens. And I think a lot of what I teach is also self-compassion and self-forgiveness and humanness and understanding like this is just part of being human and, and accepting it. But yes, all the time. Um, it's funny because when I was doing the year long travel program, I think in our group, there was 50 of us to start. I think we ended with like 30 people. And among that group, I think like 12 or 15 said they wanted to start a business on that trip. I was the only one to start a a business within the actual program. A lot of people did later on, but think about it. This travel program, I'm living in a new, new country every month. Mm. Um, trying to find like new things to do and new, new places every single month. There's like 50 of us in a program. So that's at least a birthday a week. You know, there's always something to go to. Yeah. There's just a million events. Um, and I was working full time U S hours. So I'd be living in somewhere like Asia. I'm working all night, sleeping all day mm-hmm. and somehow finding the time to write three blog posts a week and keep up with my audience and, start a product. I, I launched my membership by the end of that year. And I just remember everyone going, Taryn, you're doing way too much. Like you're, you're so busy. You're doing so much. And I was laughing at them. I'm like, this is the least I've done my entire life. <laughs> and I meant every word of that. I'm like, yeah. this is the most I'm sleeping. This is the, the most I'm like, I had, so I was like, I have so much free time. This is great. I'm like, here I am doing a million things. So I naturally lean into um, like hyper productivity mm-hmm. as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And so actually that year long program, I was very insecure. I was still learning who I was post-divorce. I like was terrified no one was going to like me. And that showed a lot. I was very insecure in that program. Like friends to the stare, like you were a totally different person than you were during that program. And and it made me really uncomfortable and, and dealing with the thoughts that like, no one likes me and I'm all alone. And, you know, I never going to find a, someone to love me again. Like all of those thoughts were coming up a lot. And so I was just like, I'm just, I'm just going to work. I'm just going to like hustle, you know, and, and do all those things. And thankfully I like met my ex partner on that program and he was incredible. And we're still best friends to this day. And it, he really taught me 
a lot about self-compassion and, and seeing myself in a different way. And so that was really great. But yeah, even since then, like earlier this year, I struggled with burnout. I, I just put out an episode on my podcast. I think right now during the pandemic and everything else, we don't realize that our capacity is lowered. What we're normally able to do, and it's normally really easy, there's this constant level of stress and anxiety that we're experiencing, whether you're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. It's a collective. There's a collective grieving. There's a collective tension happening. It's on the news. It, all your friends are talking about. It's it's everywhere. So what's normally like super easy to do might take a lot out of you. And so I found myself in severe burnout again this year with tasks that would normally like, you know, be fine. I can, you know, I can usually run multiple businesses in my sleep. It's fine. But this year in, in May, I, I hit a wall and I, I had to admit, you know, I, I needed to slow down and I needed help and I needed to reinvest in, in coaching myself and, and get some, some help. So yeah, it's always a learning process and it's just about being compassionate when it happens and, and knowing it's human, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Today I had a session with a friend, we did a trade and I left and I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't articulate in my, in my own mind what I was feeling. Mm. And I don't think I still can. I'm still sitting with it and allowing it to just be what it was. Um, But part of me thought, wow, that really shook me up for, you know, here I am. I haven't done a coaching session in a couple months. And that really shook me up for whatever reason. So, and I was thinking today during, while we were eating lunch to, as well, just how, how long this pandemic has been and how long we've been expecting ourselves and each other to continue to perform it the, the way we were doing before our safety was threatened. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like our root chakra. Yeah. It's fucked right now. Like there's no stability. There's no grounding. There's mm-hmm. just like. I don't know what's going to happen. And there's a constant feeling of, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and to think that that's not going to affect us is, is not fair to your Mm. yourself or your body in any way. Not at all. So for, for those who are hearing this and hearing your story and hearing, actually let's, this is like two separate things. Let's start with, they are burnt out and they just don't realize it. Mm what what wisdom do you have to share to to get them from burnout to self-compassion okay well the first question of that was how do you recognize you're at burnout yes yes um, because it's sneaky because usually we're burned out because we're using things as numbing mechanisms because we don't want to cope with whatever is out of alignment or what we need to heal so yeah we're just like putting one foot in front of the other and everything's fine and the way it starts to show up for people is ask yourself this, when was the last time I truly felt rested? Mm. And I see it with a lot of my clients where they're just unable to rest and they tell themselves like, okay, I'm going to take an hour to relax and like watch this TV show. I'm going to enjoy some Gilmore girls, a glass of wine and like enjoy myself. And then I'll get back to doing my to-do list or whatever it is that's going on. And they sit down to watch TV and Nope. They're on their phone, checking Instagram and, oh, I just need to put something on my to-do list. And, oh, let me, well, let me just do my grocery list while I'm watching TV and, and, you know, or you're sitting there doing nothing and you're thinking, wow, I'm being freaking lazy right now. I have so much to do. I have so much I could be doing. And so even at the times when you're supposed to be resting and you're allowing for relaxation, you're stressed or you're feeling guilty. So you're not Mm -hmm. resting. Mm -hmm. That's a really good sign that you're at burnout because there's just a constant needing to do more. And that's a sign that we're at burnout. People think burnout's like, I need to drop everything and do nothing. No, no, no. Your brain is telling you just keep doing more and you're going to be fine. You're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when we hit our walls and it usually doesn't actually hit us until we're physically ill or sick. Like I know people who have been hospitalized that have like their organs stapled in place because they had so much cortisol in their body that it was detaching things from, from their structure. Like I know people, you know, every time they go on vacation, they have a miserable time because as soon as they slow down, they get sick and it's the body going, yeah, we can't keep running like this. So that's a really big sign is just recognizing that. And, and as you recognize that instead of going, God damn it, 
I haven't been letting myself rest. God damn it. I haven't been doing all the self-care. I'm, I'm so terrible. Like we immediately start blaming ourselves for all the ways that we're messing up because we know better, right? Mm-hmm. We watch the Instagram accounts that tell us how to take care of ourselves. We, you know, all these things. And so as soon as you hear that voice, you're going to beat yourself up saying, hang on, hang on, hang on. I was doing the best I could. That's always the phrase I come back to. I was doing the best I could in that moment with what I had, with what I knew. And now I've got the decision to try something different. And it might be baby steps. It might be saying no to more things. It, it might be really tuning into my body and asking her what she wants instead of just assuming that my body needs rest or my body needs this. Like, figure it out. Cause sometimes I think I need rest and my body wants to go on a walk. And it's like, we need to actually move, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that just takes slowing down and you can just slow down for a couple minutes, you know, a day and go, all right, let me just tune in. And it might feel like nothing's happening at first, but you do that for a few days in a row and you start to go, Oh, I think I'm starting to, to work with something here. And, you know, I teach entire programs on this where we dive in deep. So it's hard for me to like say, here's how to get realized with your emotions oh, yeah. oh, in no. 10 <laughs> minutes. But like, those are some things that you can start to recognize. And really, if all you do is find self-compassion every time that you're wanting to beat yourself up about not doing enough or doing too much or whatever, just forgive yourself and say, yep, I'm human. Yep. I fucked up again. Yep. Cause I'm human. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Moving on. And, and that's going to help you feel a lot of relief in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. And, and would you agree that that first step into self-compassion is exactly the first step? If, if this is even a bigger picture and you're not living a life in alignment, that, that self-compassion is that first A to B to your alignment as well. Oh yeah. Because as soon as you start feeling some compassion for yourself, self-acceptance is going to become a lot easier, Mm -hmm. right? Self-acceptance is that everything's okay as it is. It's not like it's good. It's not like it's bad. It's just like, okay, this is what it is. That's self-acceptance, self-acceptance of your personality, of how you're responding to things, of your behaviors. It's like, okay, it is what it is. And as soon as you can start to do that, you can start to witness what's going on. Cause if you can't accept what's actually going on and you don't have the self-awareness and you're not able to see where you're unhappy and see what's going right. on, you don't know what needs to change. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is just taking the blinders down and being like, Nope, we just got to see ourselves and just kind of witness what's going on. And without the self-compassion, witnessing what's going on just feeds into your critic right? It's like, let mm-hmm. me just tell you all the ways in which you're a terrible person. And mine still tries to do that sometimes. And I have oh, to yeah. go, no, 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 no. Hang on. Hang on. And sometimes it takes me a couple of days or I'll text Angelica and be like, my self-saboteur is here and she's being mean, <laughs> um, you know, but even in that moment, when I realize what's happening, it's not like, oh, I should have figured this out by now. I'm a self-love coach or whatever. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, Yep. There's my brain doing its little brain thing again. All right. Bring it back. No big deal. Exactly. Yeah. Cycles. Yeah. And it gets, I feel like it gets easier and easier each, each time. And you're able to recognize it faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's a muscle. The brain likes repetition. So if you've been mean to yourself your whole life, you've been on this like nasty loop of beating yourself up, criticizing yourself. That's going to feel like the natural loop, right? So it takes a lot of effort to go, nope, we're going to go this way. I always tell people it's like a path, right? You've been walking the same path to work to school every day and you've got this deep groove in the field, right? It's deep. It's like embedded and you wake up, you don't think about it. You just take the same path every day, every day. And one day you notice there's a shorter path that's more beautiful and it's like a nicer walk. And you're like, I'm going to remember to do that path every day. But as soon as you're sleepy or you're not thinking about it, you know, you find yourself halfway down the other path and you're like, crap, I was supposed to be taking that new route. And this happens over and over and over again until slowly we've taken the new path so many times that that path starts to become deep and woven into the earth and the other one starts to fade away. But it doesn't happen overnight. Our brains are old school and they like repetition Mm. and they like habits and it takes a bit of time. So that's why you've got to be patient with yourself. Mm. Yes. I love that. I love that. Actually back up a second. I've got two questions. The first being, what is your favorite way of showing self-compassion for yourself? Everybody, I feel like everybody's is different. 
mine really relates to the mood I'm in, to be honest. Um, sometimes it's as simple as like slowing down to talk to myself in the mirror and just like kind of being my own cheerleader and lifting myself up. I like to journal sometimes. Um, it's easier for me to like, as soon as I start writing things down, like remember like how, how much you've accomplished and how much your clients look up to you and look how great look at all the things that you've done, look at the lives that you've changed. So as I start doing that, it feels like more and more and more floods out of me. And I'm able to kind of like cheerlead myself. But honestly, for a lot of my clients, and even for me, sometimes that voice isn't there. It's, it's too quiet. It's like, there's a time in my cycle where like my testosterone just drops off a cliff. It's like a week after my ovulation. And I'm like, fully vulnerable. And I can't even think of anything nice to say to myself. And it happens almost every month mm-hmm. <laughs> and almost every month. I'm like, what is happening? I hate myself. And then I'm like, oh yeah, look at my calendar. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and in those moments, what I tell people do is like, keep a collection of compliments from other people. And it can be something as simple as like a thank you text you got from a friend that you screenshot and keep on a Google drive folder or a nice comment from somebody at work, an email back saying like, oh my God, I really appreciate you being part of this team you might actually ask friends like, Hey, can you let me know like what your favorite qualities about our friendship are or whatever? And you just collect all of these things. I'm really blessed that I have like a big reading audience. So like I have all these emails that I get to screenshot, but when I'm having a bad day and I can't be that for myself, Mm -hmm. I will go and read these things and remember the person that I am deep down and kind of come back to her. and, And that's, that's my favorite thing. Otherwise I just, I love I love dancing. I love to feel my body, whether I'm sad or angry or whatever, like just letting it be okay through movement. Um, that's a way that I don't really show self-compassion, but show self-prioritization. Like yes. I get to come first for one song at least, and then I can get back to work or whatever I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Mine, I I love creating warm spaces mm. and welcoming spaces. So even though it's work, like organizing makes me feel so good or changing around the furniture or creating mm-hmm. something new, um, messing with my altar, lighting a candle, anything to manipulate the environment to be more warm oh, instantly. Yeah. I love incense. Like you said, like just, mm-hmm. I also like to do things with my hands that helps me get out of my head. Yeah. So I like I'll bake. I bake a lot when I'm having a bad day. I used to show up at school with like muffins and my friends were like, Oh no, are you having a bad day? No joke. Like, um, yeah. So just like allowing space for yourself. I thought that be a thing. I was reading an article yesterday. It was so beautiful. And it talks about how so many of us have demonized, um, joy We've demonized play and we've demonized pleasure because we have to work hard to earn them. And because we're always so burnt out, we don't get to actually enjoy them by the time we have earned them. And so it just becomes this thing in our life that we like, don't think we deserve. And I actually just recorded a podcast episode last night talking about how we've got to prioritize the joy and the pleasure first, because actually scientifically proven that we become more productive, we become more innovative and creative, and we're, we get more done more quickly, and we have deeper fulfilling relationships when we are playful adults. And so understanding that we've got to kind of flip these societal standards on their heads and go, wait, no, 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 I tune into myself first so that I can show up as a better mother, so that I can show up as a better leader, so that I can show up in my work the way I need to. But if I'm not first, I'm going to be showing up half-assed at everything I'm doing, and that's not fair to anyone. A hundred percent. Yeah. You just have to be brave enough to, to try it once and then see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know like for the moms and and the audience, which I know you've got a bunch and and this used to happen a lot. You know, when I was teaching at that yoga, yoga class at the gym, I would have these moms tell me like, I love coming to your yoga class, but I feel so guilty because I work all day and my kids are at daycare. Mm -hmm. And then I come home and I pick up my kids to drop them off at the gym daycare so I can come do yoga. I said, I know that's, that's really tough, but I'm just curious, like what kind of mom are you on the days you come to yoga and what kind of mom are you on the days you don't get to do something for yourself? And like the looks on their faces is everything I needed to know. Like, yes, this is why you're here because you have to put yourself first for a little bit. So your kids 
that it's good to put yourself first for yeah. a little bit. So it's safe mm-hmm. for them to do the same thing. Exactly. And then you have the energy to get on the floor and play with them. You mm-hmm. have the enthusiasm to hear about their, you know, third grade drama that's going on, whatever it is, <laughs> you're able to be present for them because mm-hmm. you were present for yourself. Correct. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm with you there. <laughs> with your, with your clients and the people you hold space for, what would you say your unique magic is? Hmm. I mean, I, I do so many things. I hate picking a title for what kind of coach I am. Yeah. I know. I was like, I know you don't like anxiety. I do empowerment. I do whatever, but you know what? I'm just really freaking good at like helping women to just own the fact that they are enough as they are. Like, that's just Mm -hmm. something I just know. I like crush at. I'm like, yeah, people could come to a moon circle for one night. They could come to one online workshop. They could be in my program for, for five months, whatever it is. And I just know they're going to walk away feeling better about themselves, no matter what capacity we get to, to work together in. And yeah, that's my magic. I just want people to feel lit up about themselves. I, I'd like to say that you are, you have a keen ability of cutting through the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I'm also a projector, which some people <laughs> find a bit much. I've learned this with my sisters. I have to go, do you want to know what I think? Or I, yeah, I'm very good at just seeing like, okay, yeah. You think that this is the problem. What do you think about this? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And I can't, I can't even count how many times when somebody is unloading on you, you, you're, there's no judgment right? And there's, I don't know, I've unloaded on you on so many times and you're like, wow, yes, that seems really difficult. Cut the bullshit. This is what's going on. (laughs) Of course I asked for it. Right. I validate first. I always validate what's going on. Yeah. That seems, that's really tough. Yes. Totally. It it sounds impossible what you're going through, whatever. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause once you validate people. So if you're one of those people like me who you just want to tell everyone what you think right away, Mm-hmm. you doing that is not helpful because almost always, almost always, even men, mm-hmm. what people are looking for is validation. Yep. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. They just want you to go. Yeah. I hear you. That really sucks. Yeah. I totally mm-hmm. get it. I've been in a similar situation and it was awful. I get it. Then usually what happens is they're like, yeah, thanks. Like, yeah. Okay. I'm being heard. I'm being seen. Mm-hmm. What should I do? Now they're open, they're ready to hear, but unless you validate first, like I actually, I'll tell my business partner all the time, hang on, hang on, hang on. I just need to be validated right now. I'll like cut him off. He'll be like mid solution. And I'm like, (laughs) hang on, validate me. I've had to like train him how to validate me. That's what I need. Um, So yeah, I I am really good at cutting to the bullshit. I will tell you, I had to take classes on how to be a better listener and how to stop interrupting people. I love that. That's great. (laughs) My dad used to tell my mom, Kim, you have two ears and one mouth, right? Yeah. <laughs> or no, he didn't say that. I think I heard that from somebody, from a teacher, but he used to tell my mom, yeah, um, listening isn't just waiting for your turn to talk. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, me yeah. too. I'm like, is it, is it talking all about me asserting my opinion and how smart I am in every opportunity that I get? Isn't that what's happening? Mm-hmm. That's the dynamic? Yeah. No? Oh, oh okay. I, love that. I, I grew up on stage. I grew up acting. I grew up performing. I also had like a speech impediment and I had to like go to class to learn how to talk. Like literally just all of these reasons why I'm like, just let me talk. Give me a microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had to learn how to step back. Yep. 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 I'm, I get it. I get it. What, what's your highest vision for the world and how does that, how are you using that highest vision in your businesses? Mm. What are you doing in your businesses to contribute to that higher vision in your life, who you are? You know, it doesn't even have to be. Yeah. So one of the things I really believe in is that we all have our own core values, right? So I'm living a life that aligns with me when I'm aligned with my core values. That's number one. But number two, I think we all have these internal drivers and they might shift at certain parts of our life, but we all have them like deeply embedded in this. And it might be like, For a lot of people, it's like, I just want to make a difference in the world. For other people, it's like, I want to be the most reliable person in the room, like whatever it is. We all have like these internal things. Um, And for me, 
my deep soul driver, everything I do is, is I am fully convinced I'm going to be a mother one day and I want to make sure the world's in a better place for my daughters and my sons. I thought about what's my magic. What am I good at doing? And how is it going to make the world a better place for my, my future kids? Like that's selfish, but that's honestly what drives me to do everything I do is I'm like, the more I help women believe in themselves and show up in the world, the way they need to show up in the world the safer it is for my future kids to do the same thing, safer it is for their kids to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the more we're all following our passions, I firmly believe we're going to find solutions to all the the chaos going on in the world. We're going to feel um, more compassionate towards each other so we can work together to find solutions for what's going on in the world. I feel like the more I can care about myself, the more I have time to care about global warming and and helping other economies and, and things like that. So I firmly believe that by helping women love themselves more and cut through their own bullshit, we create a safer world. Mm-hmm. And, and I get to do that in my business every day with my clients, people who listen to my podcast and people who come in and, and just join a yoga class once on my membership and, and get to just experience something different. Um, but then I also, you know, get to employ people around the world and in my marketing agency, I get to help other businesses see their vision come to life. I get to support bigger dreams. And, and we're really hoping my marketing agency is pretty new, but our long-term goals for that are to support businesses that are having an impact in the environment and, you know, teaching people how to market themselves for free and then setting them up for success so that we can get more businesses who are doing amazing impacts seen in the world. And, and that's something that we're really deeply passionate about and hoping to eventually do retreats for women on how to, how to launch and market their own businesses around the world and like economies where women don't usually have any power. And, and yeah. So I'm like, I have big long-term dreams. None of this Mm -hmm. thing is happening anytime soon, but like, this is what I envision and it's all to make the world better for my kids one day. But you know, you have to be aware of what your driver is because when I wake up and I'm tired and I don't feel like showing up and I want to quit my businesses because entrepreneurship is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, every time I think about quitting, I, visualize a, a daughter in my head and I'm like, no, I'm here for her and I'm going to keep showing up for her. Um, so whatever your, your thing is, it can be selfish. That's okay. It can literally be, I want to make a lot of money. And if I help people in the meantime, great, good, but right. let something drive you. <laughs> mm, perfect. I love it. I love it. Where can people go to find you to be in your space outside of today's episode? If they want more Taryn Rain, where are you hanging out? Yeah, I hang out a lot on Instagram um, at the remote yogi. You can find me on most social media platforms. I don't do tick or I don't do um Twitter. I don't do tweets. So I don't do tweets. I just got on TikTok. I'm hoping to use that more. I'm like the old person on TikTok is like, how do I do anything? Yeah. Um, I'm also huge on, on Pinterest. That's like my, my sweet spot. I'm always posting really helpful, free articles, free resources. So if you're like, I want to learn from you and I'm not in a position to invest in any of your programs. Mm-hmm. Great. Check out Pinterest. There's like something on there every day that's free and that you can use. And my podcast, Embracing Human. Yeah. Uh, we're on season four now, which is crazy. That's amazing. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. And you've taught me everything I need to know about podcasting. <laughs> Thank you. And, and for those, those who are listening, who are like, okay, yep. I've been wanting to be in somebody's space who is going to support me, but also push me at the same time. What do you have coming up for offers that people can plug into if they, they're looking for more of an investment and are finally ready to step into, I know it sounds corny, but living, living their most authentic lives and they feel good with you, good around you and want more mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. Well this week, so I think before this will drop, we just, I started my group program that we launched a few times a year. It's free to rebel. It's the program I, I lead women through on overcoming stress and anxiety and fear-based thoughts. So that's a huge program. It launches a couple of times a year. It's really powerful. Um, so you can swing back around for the next launch next year. Um, I have my one-on-ones open right now. That is, it's called my Empress program. It's really designed to help the woman who has kind of already done some of the work on her own. She's like, I've gotten pretty clear on my patterns and I've done a lot of personal work, but now I'm like really wanting to learn more about myself and kind of step into my own goddess energy. We do a lot of work with the female archetypes and the goddesses and, and really stepping into your higher self and the work that you're doing and the life that you're leading. So that's open right now. I've got a few spaces for that. 
Um, otherwise, I have lots of online courses as well. So if you're like, I just want to get started until I can join one of the other programs. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some big sales coming up for my birthday and for uh, what's that Thanksgiving week? <laughs> like, what is the holiday that's coming up soon? That's um, Ezra's birthday week. So yay! that's awesome. You guys both have sales going on. Yes. So <laughs> I've got my membership that does yoga, meditation, coaching programs. There's courses and that sort of thing. So if you want to get on the mat with me and not so much do coaching with me, there's different bundles and packages for that as well. And this is super random, but I'm currently looking to do some market research with people. So like if anyone's like the right person for this, reach out. Um, It's come to my attention that a lot of my audience is curious about doing a program to help women overcome the brainwashing of church and the church ideologies that we were raised in. This is something that I took years and years to overcome the shame and the judgment and the guilt. And it seems to be something other people are looking for too. So this sounds like something that like you're looking for help with, or you just had an experience that you'd love to talk to me about. I won't pitch you on the program. I'm really just trying to find out what women have been through and what you would love um, some support in, in this arena. So holler at me. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So needed. My goodness. Awesome. Taryn, I can't thank you enough for sitting down with me. We've been trying to do this for a while and finally nailed it. (laughs) We nailed it. Of course, just the right time for the right person, people, community to hear. And I, I'm grateful for your shares, your stories, and just for you being you and being here with me today. Thank you. I'm glad, I feel like this was the exact timing it was meant to happen because what we talked about today is so different than what I would have talked about two months ago. And I feel like this is the conversation that's needed right now. So thank you for having me and for being an amazing friend and accountability partner and incredible healer for those who are in her audience. Like mm. Angelica is also an amazing person to work with and help you up level. So you're so sweet. I celebrate you. <laughs> Thanks. Bolden.